following podcast is a member of the Great Big Owl family. So you've applied to every arts grant under the sun. But maybe all those YouTube plays are really just your mum. You learn lines all night and wait tables by day. Or maybe you've made it. But can't help reading what the trolls have to say. Well, we say thank you for sharing the things that you make. Thank you for sharing the joys and the heartbreaks. Thank you for sharing the darkness as well as the light. Feel free to be funny, sarcastic, or sad, or uncertain, or exceedingly Honestly, honesty is the best policy Sharing your truth can bring love or hilarity Somebody listening might just begin to share too Thank you for sharing Welcome to Thank You For Sharing a podcast to open up conversations with artists about mental health and self-care. Welcome to episode one, part two of our Edinburgh Fringe special. Today's guests are Helen Monks and Alice Marshall. Helen Monks is an actor, writer and creative director of Lung Theatre Company, a national touring theatre company making theatre with communities, by communities and for communities. Theatre at its loudest. You will have seen her be utterly brilliant as an actor on shows such as Raised by Wolves, Inside Number 9 and Upstart Crow and last year on stage in Luke Barnes's No One Will Tell Me How to Start a Revolution at Hampstead Theatre. She writes plays for Lung Theatre Company, co-run by artistic director Matt Woodhead, one of which was E15, the winner of the NSDF Edinburgh Award in 2015, which explored in depth the experience of the mothers and families involved in the E15 social housing campaign, a campaign that is still working hard today, and here's Helen to tell you how you can get involved. It's yeah. here in Stratford where we're currently recording oh, yeah, every E15. week, Saturday, 12 till 2, Amazing. fighting and standing with the people of Newham outside Wilkinson's if you want to come say hi, uh, campaigning for like social housing in the area. They are absolutely amazing people. Helen also wrote and performed her own solo show, Dolly Wants to Die, at the Edinburgh Fringe 2016 and was one of the winners of the Funny Women Stand-Up Comedy Awards in 2015. This year, she has two shows at the Fringe. The first is Trojan Horse, which she has written with Matt Woodhead for Lung Theatre, and here she is to tell us a bit more about it. It's a play. We've been, me and Matt have been working for about two years, um, working with people in Birmingham who were affected by this story, which was the government's inquiry into radicalisation happening in Birmingham schools. And we've gone and interviewed all the people who were accused of being sort of like terrorists and uh, extremists and jihadis. Um, because as soon as you start to slightly scratch at the surface of these reports, government reports that were written into it, there's so little evidence of um, anything related to like extremism or you know, you know whatever whatever they were branded as. Mm. Um, so it's been an absolutely like amazing two years working with these incredible people who've had their lives completely destroyed. Yeah. Um, and Birmingham's just left completely broken by it, like really divided by it. It's left a real like stain on the city. So we've interviewed about 90 people across two years and we all of it comes out from their words. So mm. it's all adapted from interviews that we've done with people. One of the teachers we talked to like said that he felt like his story was frozen in time <gasps> because all the media and the headlines were all so one-sided, calling him a radical jihadi. Yeah. Um, and then the media just lost interest because it doesn't sell papers anymore to say, oh, no, they're not. Do you know what I mean? So, yeah. So he talks about his story being frozen and we've sort of used that as our kind of um, like go-to as we want to slightly unfreeze the story and try yeah. and like shine a light on the different perspective. But like you say, verbatim's amazing because a newspaper is often quite biased, whereas we get to put lots of different voices all in one space and Absolutely. try and like collectively tell the story. Like last time, all details of how to see these shows at the Edinburgh Fringe this year will be available at the end of the podcast. Her other show is You've Been Fringed. An idea, again, thought of by Lung Theatre for all creatives to get involved in at the Fringe. So it's called You've Been Fringed and it's every Thursday, apart from the first Thursday, confusingly, at okay. midnight. Okay. And it's a big celebratory, like, 
if you're having a bad month, if you've got any bad stories, we're getting people to come and share their worst ever fringe stories. Mm. Um, and Dave is setting it all to music and then we're going to have lots of free shots. Apparently you're not allowed to advertise via the like um, seduction of alcohol, but Ooh. I'm just ignoring that rule. And um, I mean... and sing along a karaoke um, to like, you know, empowering songs and lots of group hugs and stuff. That's yeah. the kind of... What that sounds everything. It's just everything. Do you I, know, it yeah. came out of actually me and Matt who... I run um, Lung, yes. my company with, we were talking about how this just, there doesn't really feel like there's a proper, genuine, safe space for performers at the Fringe. Yeah. Okay, and we were talking about it like in quite a hypothetical, like, oh, we should have a cushioned room. Yeah. But then we were like, actually, what you really want at the Fringe is something to like properly release. We wanted like a room where people could go and scream or a, people where, a room where people could go and just like punch a pillow or whatever. Yeah. Um, and then it was him, he was like, well, why don't we, you know, there are a lot of rooms at the Fringe, why don't we get one for a night and have totally. a big, like, you know, we're all in the same boat, everybody's feeling the same way, yeah. Yeah. everybody's knackered and tired and just wants to, like, give each other hugs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's create a, like, shared space to do that in. Our other guest this week is Alice Marshall. Alice Marshall is an award-winning actor, writer and character comedian. She was the winner of the 2017 Brighton Fringe Best Comedy Award and has taken two solo shows to the Edinburgh Fringe previous to this year, Vicious and Blood. She was recommended in both The Guardian and The Independent as one of the top acts to see at the 2017 Edinburgh Festival. She's had acting roles on television shows such as Skins and Very Important People and on stage at the Pleasance and King's Head Theatre. Her collection of weird and wonderful characters range from the erotic to the grotesque as she combines her own brand of clowning and storytelling to bring her bizarre creations to life. And she's taking her new show, The Strike, to the Edinburgh Fringe this year. I've seen it twice now and it's an absolute masterclass in character comedy. Here is Alice to tell us more about it. Well, so I, I'm a character comedian and uh, my sort of my principal character is a, a psychotic uh member of a, a cabin crew for a fictional airline and she uh, the show is set up like it's a flight so the audience come on board the plane a very room shaped plane a room shaped <laughs> plane it's so good I've seen it work in two venues now and it's brilliant well I mean yeah. like the, my venue in Edinburgh has got an aisle up the middle perfect uh, and you I just started that with that I was like well might as well why not <laughs> yeah. rude not to <laughs> why don't we make it a plane and isn't it true Alice you're terrified of flying absolutely <laughs> terrified but that's I've got this morbid fascination with things that terrify me cool and that's how she ca- that's how this character came about yeah. actually she is based on a real cabin crew member uh i was flying from uh, luton to geneva and had a huge panic attack as i often do on planes because i think i'm going to die and cabin crew are either really supportive and lovely and helpful hmm. or the opposite oh, they're God. never in between and she was the opposite oh no and uh, I was like crying and wailing, and she came up to me and just sort of put her hand on my knee and went, "You are, you are being very, you are very strong. You will be fine." And walked off, and I was like, <laughs> "I don't think I am being very strong, my love." Did you not look at my teary you not, face? Can you not see me? And I remember thinking, even in that moment of terror, that it was funny. The plane is hit by lightning, hence the strike. Yeah. Oh uh, no, are we tumbling to the ground? No, we're tumbling into different worlds, different time periods, different characters. Oh, that's so um, cool. Yeah. Like Jen and Jaws, Alice and Helen are incredible talents, wonderful dear friends, and I am so excited for you to hear our chats about all things fringe-related and artist life-related. So let's get to it. question I want to ask you first um you are both um you're you've done so many different creative things you're really um utilizing all your skills and you're trying things out all the time and that is so exciting um and I I said this to Joz and Jen right at the end of our last episode but I'm gonna say it now because I'm like it's such a gift what you're doing you've got to know that like oh how's it gonna go is it going well or not like we all get those things but like focusing on the fact that like just getting up there and expressing yourself and expressing a point of view a perspective something that is like you know we all need that I read an article the other day that was like oh no it was on Twitter where they someone said um uh, if anyone's saying, oh no, don't grow up and be an artist, you know, go and do a sensible job, it's like, I'd love you to like have 30 days with um, nothing that an artist has created in your life, like no music, yeah, no yeah, nothing, yeah. no anything, and then see how you feel about discouraging artists, yeah, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. So, um, so yeah, so 
own that. Love, I love that. that. <laughs> um, and You're then, welcome, guys. <laughs> <laughs> and then leading into that, so what compels? I'll start with you, Alice. What compels you to create? Why? Why do you do this? What compels you to keep creating? Do you know what I think about this all the time? Yeah. Because I, because it is so hard, and because I think every day, you. Or I personally feel doubt in some way, shape or form. Sometimes it's little niggling things. Like you say, is the show going to be good? Mm -hmm. Is this gig that I'm going to do going to be good? Am I, is anyone going to laugh? Is the character good? And it can be like minor things like that. Or it can be huge, fundamental, like soul shattering I shouldn't be doing this thoughts. Like mm. thoughts that my whole world is wrong, that my life choice is wrong. Like if 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 I feel... Like I'm having a particularly bad time. You should see my Google search history. It's oh my like, God, me too. How do I become a social worker? How do yeah. I become a counsellor? I'm going to go to India and become a yoga teacher forever. Oh like, yeah, literally. So I think that, it, that that doubt is really crippling. But in the same way, it also makes me have a dialogue with myself constantly mm. about why I'm doing it. Great. Because you have to have, you have to weigh it up. So yeah, I could go and be a yoga teacher forever. But what's stopping me doing that? Yes, it would be much easier. I would have a job. I would be paid all the time. I'd have benefits, pension, all that stuff that we forego because we're not employed properly like normal people. And then I think, yeah, that is attractive. That's nice. But the thing keeping me in it is that when it goes well and when, when I feel like I'm doing the right thing and that the work is good and I feel essentially I guess as a comedian that I'm making people laugh mm -hmm. especially after a show that's gone well and you've been there and physically seen people laughing in front of you as opposed to doing stuff on screen mm. um that feeling is enough to keep you going past that doubt mm. I think it's yeah. that really like visceral tangible experience of just hearing people laugh at you yeah mm. and that that kind of is enough did you, like, was comedy always a part of your life? Yeah, right? totally. Yeah, yeah. I always wanted to be a performer in some shape or form. And I think um, I went to uni and did, read drama and English and then uh, got on to do a postgrad in acting in, in London. And actually I didn't go because I was sort of already working and then I got an agent quite quickly, which was fortunate. Um, and just one of those lucky things, really. And I was doing a little bit of work, doing some fringe stuff, a little bit of TV, uh, which I really enjoyed and it was great. But I kind of, I realised quite quickly that I was never going to go and be like the romantic lead. I'm never going to go and be... Who wants to be the romantic Who wants that? It didn't really fit. <laughs> this kind of weird six foot, like, <laughs> hulking thing. So... Uh, I did more comedy stuff and then I went to I went to do news review. Yeah, that's um, my time also done. Which you did as well. Which is so fun. You it's learn amazing. a hell of a lot on that job. It's absolutely incredible. It's like if you haven't seen it, look it up. It's on at the Canal Cafe Theatre and it's uh you do a six week run and you're writing sketches and performing sketches really, really quickly. The turnaround's really quick with three other people. It's like comedy boot camp. It's like training ground. Well, and it is a little bit like Edinburgh in the like extreme highs and lows. Yeah. Like I remember like being, yeah, off stage once. And I was kind of known in my troupe as like the calm one. I suffer from anxiety, so I don't know how that happened. I'm just very good at hiding it. But um, there, I had this moment, yeah, like I think it's like week three, yeah, Thursday show and like, a minute to go and I just turned to her and I went oh, I've forgotten all my lines I I don't know anything uh, and they all looked at me like Jen no don't go down there don't go down but yeah and so that, and that must have you because you are so good at characters my god like I can't wait for you to see it it's yeah, like so it's um, they're all so different and um yeah, it makes me go, why do we not have an SNL to put you in here? <laughs> do you know what I mean? Oh, we should make it. Yes, please. And you, like, for sure. Like, like let's all just be an SNL. Yeah. Let's have to start the English <laughs> SNL. But um, so, yeah, that must have led you then to be like, I want to, I feel compelled as now a writer and to make something. Yeah, because it, it is definitely a sort of safe space to try that stuff out. And then I went to Edinburgh with News Review in yeah. a month. Um and that's a real gift. It's a real opportunity because it's on at the Pleasance every year and it, it's a really well-known show. It's in a big venue and it always sells out. So you don't really have to do any flyering. You don't have to do any of the sort of rubbish bits of the fringe. Yeah. 
and the show is only an hour so you get the other 23 hours in the day to just go off and see as much stuff yeah. as you can and really immerse yourself in the festival yeah. and it was in that month that was in 2014 that I was like oh this is what I want to do yeah I'm watching all these so so, so it was like a click moment like totally this is, uh, interesting wow. yeah. so in your doubt moments that must come back as well like because yeah, if you'd totally. felt come if you'd been trying lots of different artistic things out and you just mm. went oh this is this is where I feel. Yeah, this is the thing, and and I think as well, it's a lot of what people tell you as well. Like, if you have enough people say you're you're funny, you should write you should write some stuff down, mm. and and uh, and I kind of ignored it for a long time. But then actually, it's a way of, it's a blessing and a curse because as a as just a straight actor, I used to feel so frustrated with the very nature of being an actor, which is that you are entirely at the mercy of other people. Mm-hmm. Is someone going to invite you for an audition? Are they going to cast you? Mm. Is uh, is their vision going to match with your vision? That you you're totally dependent on other people picking you. Whereas when you're writing and performing your own stuff, you kind of get a bit of the power back, which I loved mm. initially. Uh, <laughs> but then I discovered as <laughs> I kind of got on the process. No, casting director. Dug in your grave. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you kind of like you realise that when you're working on your own, you're like oh. I do sort of want someone to pick me for something. <laughs> yeah, well, but oh, this is why I get... Because, you, you, you know, you did that BBC Three thing recently, like a group like... Mm-hmm. So you'll always jump between the two, I'm sure. Yeah, I hope so. Um, Helen, yeah. ter- you're um, creating hilarious comedy characters on television. You're creating um, solo shows. You're creating highly charged political theatre, social yeah. activism theatre... Is your compelled um, your creative compulsion? Does that is that the same for all of those? Does it all differ? Tell me about. Ooh, that's what... a really difficult question. I mean, <laughs> um, I guess like yeah, you always have to be really like it's very wanky, but you always have to be really authentic about everything, don't you? Yeah, um, that came up a lot in the last episode. Authenticity. Yeah, which is really hard when you play in like Zilpha's Maid and Taboo, um, <laughs> where you only your elbow makes the cut. Like you do have to. You do. Yeah. Like, that whole thing of being at the mercy of people as well, I feel like it is such a collaborative thing that sometimes it can become a bit individualistic and actually sometimes you are a cog within something bigger and Mm. I found it really helpful to view myself as that sometimes Mm. rather than... Because I feel like... It's a bit like how I hated the Olympics because it was all about how we can all be Olympians and actually the reality about the Olympics is no, like these very specific people can be Olympians and we can all really enjoy <laughs> watching them jump very high. them from the sidelines. Yeah. How did they do that? <laughs> and that's what I really get drawn to with the arts is okay. like it isn't like sport where it is, there, you know, you all have your role to play within it and no matter what your role is within a company, it's really important to view it as like a collective mm. thing um, mm. rather than an individualistic. Having said that, I mean, I have a big enough ego to, like, do my own... Do you know what I mean? Like, it's it's a it's a balance, but um, I think, like, each is so different, the things you just named, because it's yeah. about, like, trying to see it from the outside in a little bit and be like, what is my role within this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like, that's the end. Well, no, <laughs> I think that's so interesting. Like, a couple of things from that. Like, I think what comes up, has so far come up with chatting to people, and I've definitely thought about it. And, like... I, FYI, like not alone in any of these things, like doubt every day, <laughs> oh going for big scales and those all these things, yeah. like every yes. minute of every day, like what are we doing? Wait, <laughs> should I do a podcast? <laughs> I'm just gonna leave. But that's also something I would say that is the draw of it. It's like, look at this, like, what, what other job do you like get to do this where you actually get to like properly evaluate and talk to people who are really like minded yeah, yeah. about yeah. like how you're all having a shared experience? And yeah. I just think there are some absolute knob ends in the art like they just are but the fact that you're able to kind of list them and name them shows how few and far between they I are. agree the yeah. majority of people and this is what I do love about the fringe and why like, I'm really yes. excited about you've been fringed are actually really like sharing a similar kind of experience yeah, yeah. and world view and totally. like people politically tend to be quite aligned which like I don't know if people agree with that or not but like people tend to be trying to either reflect the world back to itself in order to view all the flaws within it mm. or reflect the world back to itself in order to imagine a slightly better world. I always feel like they're the yes. two kind of motivations most people have when they're making yes. something. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I think, like, that's cool. And, uh, and yeah, the people are well nice. Yeah. Like you guys. <laughs> Thanks. But it's, no, it's true. And I was actually, that leads me to my next question really is, like, do you feel, you know, we're talking about all of this 
and from both from what both of you have said actually like the idea that you're sharing something this is a shared experience you're making someone laugh you're um sitting in a room uh with a bunch of people sharing a story that nobody's heard yet and mm. need to hear mm. um so so the fringe itself for artists i guess must be uh you because you were saying as well sometimes it's really good if i've been working on my own for a time to be within a collective the mm. edinburgh fringe is a massive collective mm. of artists you're all up there everyone's mm. kind of doing such different things so tell me um like what why why you're compelled to go to the fringe again <laughs> um and like so and what's Tell me, like, yeah, why The Fringe? Why you're taking your shows there? Yeah. And what's been uh, your favourite... If I say Fringe Festival, Edinburgh Fringe Festival, a memory, a visual memory that's, like, your highlight that was, like, oh, that, oh, I loved wow. that. It can be absolutely anything. And yeah. then the biggest challenge you have faced kind of in a kind of... Um, yeah, as an artist, what has been uh, really challenging for you up there? Okay. Sorry, that's quite a chunky question, no. but I thought it might help. What yeah. compels you? I'm well, going to yeah. go with first. Why do you go? Um, it's re- it's always really different reasons. Okay. The main reason is because nobody really trusts that you're going to make a good thing until you've made it, which yeah. winds me up. So like, <laughs> people don't ever pay you to make oh, a piece gosh. of work. You I have know. to find the fun yourself, make it yourself, and then put it on and go, come and look at how good the thing I just made is. And then they all go, oh, great, let's put that in our space and, you know, sell tickets and take a box office split. And it's like... Yeah, while well, you've can... just spent year, so long, yeah. like, unpaid, like, yeah. doing it all hours. And yeah. I get it because venues also have had loads of funding cuts and there's no oh, money in the arts blah blah but like that's to be frank that is the main reason that we're going this year we've had so much support from Leeds Playhouse they've been amazing it just happens to coincide we've finished making this play the year that they go dark so we were like let's launch it at the fringe but you know we want this to be the start of its life and we want this to be where everyone can come and see it and then go oh wish we'd commissioned that yeah (laughs) yeah yeah yeah. Um, yeah, I think it's really you know on that point as well like it is really 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 expensive and I think like it's such a privilege to be able to go yeah and I think um as a result like the stories that we hear are quite limited like up there and they do rely on people who've got money um choosing carefully the right stories that they're telling yeah yeah, yeah. um I, I don't know if you find that that like there is it is like a privilege to be able to get up there and I know that we all as individuals like sell everything that we have and spend all of our money yeah. and yeah, all of yeah, our yeah. emotions yeah, um, yeah. but there are so many people who can't get up there and like I don't know in memory of <laughs> that's my little yeah we now jump to another point quite quickly. Uh, the reason for that is I had a little anxiety moment that the whole thing had stopped recording. It hadn't. It was fine. But I wish we'd expanded on Helen Point further in the moment because I think it's an incredibly important one. We do touch on it a little bit more later on and I will include information at the end uh, of an email address and telephone number if you have ideas as to how the Fringe can become more affordable and more accessible to more people as the years go on. Um, so yeah, so sorry about that. And uh, But back to the chat. Okay, so reasons to go. I, uh, again, I, I think it's quite similar to you, Helen. I, I feel like the fringe is, that the, what it is now is kind of like an industry showcase. So mm. if it's the best way to get people in to see your show, whether they're producers or casting directors or all mm. the people that I, you know, on my, on my journey, <laughs> that I want to come and see me, mm. come and see me which yeah. is really nice and I don't think there's an opportunity like it anywhere else yeah. at all really it's that month and everybody is in Edinburgh and the uh, world's looking at it and too it is like a it. big you know, and I think it's true. remarkable because it's like stuff that would be a pipe dream otherwise is actually kind of quite attainable and quite real you know if like if you're if you're putting a show on and I want the BBC to come in and see it like they'll come in and see it having said and that just very conscious of people listening who are having a terrible month and no one's coming to see their play yes, let's i also sure. would say like as somebody who's gone you're probably in the same boat and had terrible terrible reviews and yeah, literally yeah. had to cancel shows because nobody's coming um what's also great about it all, all eyes are on it but it is also a bubble where like things get forgotten um it's a safe space in theory like everybody treats it as a fringe show it's not like you're on at the west end where you're going to be judged along the same as everybody else so it's yeah. like the two, it's two sides of the coin isn't it where like 
what a great opportunity to platform stuff, but also what a safe space to fail. Yeah. I guess, I mean, a very expensive fail, yeah. Well, I'd be interested actually just to segue through from that to mm. say like, that's such a healthy mindset. And there's probably people who are a bit newer to it mm. who may have not developed that mindset yet. So what do you think are like kind of good tips for if you are yeah having a shit month getting yeah. you know dodgy reviews you're kind of no one's coming and you're just like rem- how d- reminding yourself of like um how how like safe all is and perspective and things like that what in practicality what would you do as Helen like it to yeah. console yourself as it were what I would do yes. is watch on repeat Tim Minchin's <laughs> song um oh my god what's it called that's okay what well, I've got what is it about the friend it's about him getting a really terrible review at the front oh yeah 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 yeah. he dedicates phil down thank you dave what i would do (laughs) is watch on repeat the tim minchin song something something phil doused what's it called something something about phil doused google tim minchin phil doused oh yeah or like the one star review song i'm sure google's great like that just add some words in along these lines so i remember taking a show up um in my second year of university that was getting one star reviews one of my reviews was like two sentences long and ended with the complete sentence drivel that was the entire like review I mean it was pretty terrible but um but I just spent the entire month watching that on repeat and knowing that (laughs) one show doesn't define you that even like the greatest poets in the world like wrote a really great anthology and then they had a bit of a floppy one and then they had another like you're not defined it's not like you have to be a genius all the time yeah 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 um so I would say try and do that and have some like have some look at all of the people who've ever been to the fringe like Michael McIntyre I think went eight years Mm -hmm. um, and spent like tens of thousands of pounds before he ever got like a full audience and spotted and noticed as being Michael. now he's Michael McIntyre so so he's made that money back he's made it back he's doing all right so like I think it's you put a lot of your eggs in one basket at the fringe but it's important to kind of view it in the wider context of like your long long life which is is endless and long but it does like it like those little things like you said like just like having a little toolkit of things Mm. like that you know work for Mm. you and like you were saying earlier about that I do this as well with the google search history so I'll go like it's a bit bad really I'm like yeah um comedians who've bombed or like actors yeah. who like yeah thought that they would never be anything and yeah. like just reading articles and that again like you know that is one really good thing about you know this kind of digital age when we are encouraging more this uh, mm. this honesty about it and yeah, uh, yeah. It's, it's interesting I sometimes I kind of even I find like almost the opposite in that like bad reviews that I've had there was one review last year that tore me apart not even just my work, me as a person. Oh, and no. I sort of suffered from not... trolling online quite a lot. <gasps> oh, like people oh were tweeting gosh. me. And it was, it knocked me so much more than I thought it would. I thought that I would be much stronger. Yeah. Um, but you you come back with these bullet holes. Each, each of those wow. tweets, each of those like sort of vile things that get said to you online, each of those horrible reviews, it does. I'm still at point now, like I'm 30 and I still feel like a little girl being shouted at by people. I don't think that ever goes away. Like, And I think that's an inner chart like thing. We've got, to, you know, and you've got, mm. you don't, there's no... Yeah, I you just don't, don't need to develop yeah. a hardiness, you, you know that. But it's awful. And you, but you, why yeah. do people, what are they, are they bored? Why are they sending you personal? Oh, we should do a whole podcast on that. I mean, you could get, I have to go to... What t- is yeah. that about? It, you know, it's this, yeah. I mean, it can be all sorts of things, can't yeah. it? Yeah, but it's such a dichotomy yeah. as well. The fact that it happens over the period of one month in the year that like you can go from having an amazing show and it's yeah. full of people mm. and they love you. And that same month, that same week... I can be doing it to no one and yeah. people that walk out of my show and tell me I'm crap. Yeah. yeah. Like, that's that's just a week in the life. Well, I don't it's know nuts. if you found that. So I remember when I was doing stand-up, uh, uh, my first horrendous gig, like, nobody there. Well, like, yeah, three people. Somebody really, like, drunk in the, in the front, mm. um, really off his face, like, yelling out loads of stuff, and got up there, and, and it was silent. Like silent and I my brother was there actually and I remember like maybe that helped actually because like we're quite close and I clocked eyes with him and there was just this moment of like 
um, I have to keep going. Like mm. I'm just, I'm just gonna keep talking. Just and keep know. saying the words. And but then when you've done these like horrendous shows, yeah. It, it, and don't get me wrong, I was very upset. And like I then had other ones mm. where I was like, oh, this is just, I can't. This is getting really hard. But there was an exhilaration of I've had my worst nightmare on stage, or one of them. <laughs> There's many. <laughs> and um, and I and I didn't. I survived. You totally it, survived it. You You're know? still here. Yeah. And, yeah. and that, so I hope that like it can be that like that double whammy exactly like we said of like how do I self-care myself in the moment so but also then feeling like empowered but how did you self-care yourself in that moment do you remember yeah not very well (laughs) something that I need to get better at we all do and I'm you know it's never going to stop me going it's like the childbirth thing you kind Mm. of just forget it and (laughs) you keep going and hopefully enough good stuff happens that you're kind of you're constantly taking these steps forward and then you have knocks and then you go forward again and a bit back and hopefully you end up more forward than back at the end of the mm. month which is uh, which is what I've experienced yeah. but like you so all, you know every good show that you have is a little patch over that last bullet hole that you got whether it's a bad review or horrible audience or just being out there flyering like people I've had people take flyers from me and just like scrunch them up in front of my face and like throw them on like little things like that. See, that's like, like that. because you know the whole like trolling thing, like you, mm. you're kind of like you, there's a psychological aspect of like you're removed from it. But to do that in front of your face and like that's... There's a real sense of aggression and, and it kind of is, in my experience, quite rare. I know people who it's not that rare for, but like the fact that you're putting yourself out there, I don't know... I think everyone experiences it to some degree, but certainly as a female solo performer, I'm very much on my own and there's a real sense of vulnerability and Mm. I don't know if, like you say, who are these people? Are Mm. they bored? Are they Mm. dealing with something else or whatever? But you become a target and if you are on your own selling a show that you're in, trying to get them to come because you need them, because Mm. I need that audience, otherwise I'm going to do my show to no Mm. one. That's the the few people who sense that and think, I can use this. I can use this to Ooh. put her down. You're so right about putting yourself out there as well. People almost seem annoyed because I guess they perceive it as like a version of like entitlement that like I believe in myself and they hate that. Mm. They hate that you believe in yourself. Like what a stupid thing to hate in someone like. Well, what? and that's bullying. At, at the bottom line, that is bullying. It's yeah. like that idea of like I'm going to negatively put you down because I'm actually jealous of what you're able to do yeah. you know where you're able to put yourself up there but it's also that myth that like you having a voice means that other people don't totally. it's like have you seen how many stages there are at the fringe like, <laughs> we can all share well yeah that's a great thing about the free fringe I've heard that like you can do like if you're as comedians like, can you do like guest spots on other people's nights some people yeah. will have open mic nights and stuff so if you're up yeah. there is, is that yeah, something you've yeah. ever done yeah or? no totally and, yeah. and what, what I find really interesting is that the second that you I can't in my head I said I build up other comedians I think like I was saying to you earlier that mm. like you feel like everyone else is having the best time and everyone else That's is very so successful yeah. Yeah. and everyone else is really good friends and they all know each other and you don't and you're the only one doing badly and your show's terrible and these voices are increasingly powerful I think but then the second that I go into a room honestly and say this is really hard I feel like I'm the only one doing this I've never ever had certainly not another comedian but certainly not another female solo performer not turn around and say oh my god me too this is terrible that's amazing and there's that honesty and actually you realize that for them you're probably in that group that's having a really great time and that is really good friends with everyone but we're all thinking the same thing and the second that you open up about it it's it's this lovely kind of sense of community but there's a downside to it and i was saying to a comedian another female comedian who i was working with last week that it brings out this horrible natural reaction that I feel really uncomfortable with because it makes it makes me go, oh, thank God, they're miserable too. <laughs> That's interesting. Horrible because you end up relieved that somebody else is sad, but it is this kind of like trench warfare feeling that you're like, oh, we're all in it together and we're all having a terrible time. I would maybe, re- I don't know what you say, Helen, but I'd maybe replace the word miserable with human. Like it's oh, actually more lovely. that we're human. Go it's on. Yeah, yeah, no, but also it's great because it's the same. But it blame. It's what you're doing is you're placing the blame onto the system and the culture rather than onto yourself. Which then you all get like the other person you're talking to also gets to do that. Mm. You're going. This isn't miserable because of us. This is miserable because of the system. The system. Edinburgh just being. I mean, all of it being the way that it works, being so relentless and tough. Yeah. Do you think 
Edinburgh Fringe themselves, like the organisation, could do a bit more? Well, I guess you you probably do think this because you've created this awesome show, you've been Fringe, but <laughs> do you think uh, they could do more to support performers uh, with yeah. the highs and lows, um, uh, with the whole emotional experience and the practicalities of it? And yeah. what do you think those things could be? Do you know what the biggest one is? Is yeah. to just make it cheaper, just make it affordable. And yeah. I mean that across the board, like living conditions are just disgusting and inhumane really? like undignified we once all had like seven people all sharing one room mm. people on like oh little God. like platforms on the floor and your mental health is a result of course it's of terrible course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you're spending all of your money you're probably working an extra job in order to try and like be able to afford a pint with everybody else at the end of the day uh, yeah. like i think the it just makes me so furious how much money these huge yeah, venues yeah. are making off of everyone else's heartbreak and misery. It's absolutely, <laughs> it's, it's Should we make that for, as a play next year and see yeah. if we can sell that? But as well, it's, oh this, it's this annoying myth that your mental health isn't attached to oh. your external stuff, like austerity, being poor, being oh my hungry, God. being tired, being in a claustrophobic yeah, yeah. living space is going to make you mentally unwell. It just is. It just and is. like, if you're there for a month, already on high pressure with all of those things. So I just think like, it's weird because it's called the fringe, but it's not, it's this gross capitalist money making it's like a thing. boat show it's like a you know when people go around to like really expensive sort of like excel type centers and look at really brilliant boats and they all want to yeah. buy them sometimes i feel like that in the really? big venues it's like there's something a bit ick about it because mm. you know that somebody's making so much money so much money yeah. like how where is all that money go? that the... would be an interesting question i mean they yeah. should be transparent about that if you think yeah about we it, should yeah. find it out this is going to be action podcast in action but Tune in next time Even when we're little stuff like when we were at oh I'm not going to name the venue we were at a certain venue and all of the staff that were working there were so rude really? and we realised it's because they weren't being paid properly they were all mm. really sleep deprived but even stuff like the bouncers on the doors who had quotas of how many people they could uh, kick out it was like a game they were playing with each other and when you talk to them as human beings you realise it's because they're all so miserable and not being treated correctly by the venues mm. and it's just like if you paid your staff properly so everyone was really like. Uh, you know people mm. would just be happier it's just mm. logical like yeah stupid 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 venues yeah is there anything you'd add to that Alice of anything that you think could could as a kind of on an organization level because I mean obviously there is the like it can come from us as a community but mm. what is there anything I well? think you know there, there's a an organization called Fringe Central which is a big building in the middle of the of the city um which I think is really good, actually, in in their defence. I think that Fringe Central is a great thing because it's got, like, just a nice comfy room with loads of sofas and cushions and oh, right. printers and you can go and print stuff and there's you can go on the computer, do internet stuff. Yeah. And actually, I use that quite a lot. Just in between shows, if you don't want to don't wanna slash can't afford yeah. to see shows all through the day until yeah, yeah. it's time for you to fly or you to do your show, but, like, we're all living 40 minutes outside the city, mm. you can't go home... I just go and get a cup of tea and just like have a little sleep on the sofa Aww. and that is a really nice thing which I think is good I don't know if they publicise it enough I don't know if enough they performers have, um, know it's there mental health yeah. services as well They've there got, they, they do, do have really good mental That's health good. services which yeah. is great and you can go to lectures you can go to talks and you can also talk to counsellors and is um, that I'd be interested to know if that's on, on all the marketing like you know every pack that you guys mm. get as performers yeah. there, it's there I, th- I think it's, sure. I think they're getting better at Fantastic. it I think that there still could be a little bit more publicity about it mm. and, I, and I don't know if there's like a I don't know if there's something that they could do in an official capacity to get performers meeting up with each other and having these conversations with each other. Yeah. At the moment, it very much feels like we're having these conversations with the fringe. So it's like, if you're having a bad time, go and talk to the fringe officials and they'll help you out. Where actually, the biggest help would be to meet seven other female solo performers mm. and it's a meet up if you're feeling mm. vulnerable or scared or you've like had a, a bad round day. table come and have a round table oh, I, love I love watching that's this, a great yeah. idea because at the moment it feels quite like almost quite lucky to bump into someone who's having a bad day mm. at the same time that you are yeah and I've and I've been on the other end of it as well like sometimes you're having a great day and you've had a really good show and you feel like it's going really well and you get a good review and then you meet someone who's having a bad day and because it cha- all changes so quickly, I feel like I, I then can't relate to that properly. There's yeah, nothing yeah, yeah. like meeting someone who's having the same experience as you at the same time to make you go, oh, thank God I'm normal, like I'm human. <laughs> but maybe even the idea of that, though, I love that you said that it all changes so quickly. And I can imagine going up as a new performer, um, you you 
you're not applying like we've said every time like you're not applying that to anyone else but yourself like mm-hmm. so just even so even if you don't meet someone who's on the same way same moment um, uh, emotionally as you just that line of just being like uh, just say you've had an amazing show and you meet someone who's just had the awful day just like well like a week ago like yeah like it, the mm. chat like acknowledging that as a group yeah because to me that's really refreshing because on the outside perspective you're like oh yeah this show it got like five star reviews four star reviews all the time so clearly everyone in that company that whole thing's great they're cool <laughs> whereas probably within that there's yeah. probably loads of ups and downs and things we don't know about yeah. and then maybe the f- mm. maybe they had one show where five people hated it I don't know do you know what I mean but that makes me feel so much better to hear that there's like mm. it's a changeable organic oh, thing totally which is amazing and great and I think that it almost instills a sense of hope if you are having a really terrible time there's, there is there is a like a light at the end of the tunnel and objectively you know it could change yeah because everything that we're doing mm. is so subjective you get an audience of people who think that you're hilarious mm. you get an audience of people who don't it doesn't mean that your work is bad it means that maybe it's not for that audience mm-hmm. or maybe it is for that particular audience and you found people who like what you do and maybe they'll come back which is great and amazing but I think it's really important not to uh what I try to remind myself and I need to get better at doing it is that you it's not you it's it's the whole experience of the fringe. Yeah. Perhaps you have a quiet audience. Mm. It's not you. Totally, like, totally. That's just a different mm. day. It's a different feeling. It's gone a different way. Yeah. Mm. Not, and you won't... You know. Yeah, and I think Jen said that on the last episode. Like, actually, especially as a comedian, you don't want to please everybody. Like, you don't, like, necessarily... Oh, Alice is like, I want <laughs> to please, please everybody. Please me all the time. <laughs> I say this is the ultimate people pleaser as well. But I think what she meant by that is that, like... Um, with we're talking about authenticity and like kind of points of views and stuff and like the great thing is we're all eclectic and we're all different and like people are going to relate more strongly to different things mm. and also in terms of like uh sometimes you know theatre if it makes people really angry or like frustrated like sometimes that can be a cathartic thing as well mm-hmm. like you know there's going to be all sorts of different reactions to expect yeah. you know yeah on that I think the biggest thing I was so rubbish um, the year before last when I went because the bad reviews knocked me to the point that my performance stopped like it was really really variable so some shows I would do a good job and other shows I would not genuinely not believe in the thing that I was doing don't say you're rubbish because that again you're not alone I bet yeah, so many well, people exactly, would say that well exactly but that's yeah. of course that's your response because you're doing it every day yeah, yeah, yeah. and you've been told by everyone it's rubbish you're going to think it's rubbish mm. but the thing I would say like if yeah someone listening to this is having a rubbish like they're not getting audiences and they're getting bad reviews or they're getting no reviews or whatever like remember why you made the thing that you've taken Mm, and remember that you before this loved it like or if you didn't you at least invested in it and like just try to remain like try to actually the actual like hour or whatever it is time that you're actually performing it like have faith in that thing that you're doing because you know like the amount of stuff you look back on that had terrible reviews when it first came out that's now viewed as being like held it as being great literature like Frankenstein was absolutely slated when it first came out 100%. Um, what's his face who wrote all those kitchen sink plays John oh, what's his or what's his crack you know Osborne Osborne yeah. well done John Osborne <laughs> with the play about the little bear Look back in anger. Look back in anger. Everyone hated it. Everyone thought it was rubbish. And like, you know, now it's one of our um, reference points to like this change. And think about it. If you started to change, just say like, yeah, you you create this authentic thing that you really believe in. And then like it has a weird reaction the first time you do it. If you continuously start to change it, just always based on someone else's opinion, the whole thing's lost in the first place. (laughs) And they'll be wrong because they'll be absolutely knackered. They'll have seen 50 shows that day. They'll have misunderstood. There's this amazing... Amazing reviewer Matt Truman, who um, he always, he says you should always go in and assume that the people making the play know what they're doing, mm. and I think that's so many reviews don't do that. They mm. assume that you don't know what you're doing. There was a brilliant show um, uh, at the Fringe about ban- about critics and bad reviews, oh. um, where these women literally talked out of their bums. They got their bums. <gasps> I up. know it. Yeah. Um, yeah, 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 um, yeah. And the whole the whole thing about that was they were saying it's almost as if we know what it's almost as though it was on purpose it's almost as if we knew what we were doing because all their reviews would be pointing things out like they'd done it by accident or like it was a mistake and they were like you know we meant this we made this because we believed in it and we meant this to be on stage in this exact way you know we've really worked hard on this Mm. don't 
met tired old men sitting in the audience like oh well that's another thing like face. the majority who are the critics the majority are just one demographic yeah. you know yeah. who, are, who might have just been who might have a particular taste again because critics do, I mean the best critics like, I love Mark Kermode because I can tell yeah, that's for film and Lynn Garner actually because I, I feel like Oh, we love Lynn. Yeah, 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 because she's and she's been so supportive of Lung Theatre, hasn't she? Yeah, yeah. she's brilliant. She and she's so open-minded. I feel like I, I don't. With some critics, I feel like oh, I know exactly what they like, and I know that they're never going to have their mind open to anything. Yeah, mm. but you know what that. she as well is great because this is the other thing with the fringe is like you're all judged in the same kind of way so there will be student productions and mm. there will be like national theatre productions all within the same festival yeah. and it's and then so then you can't give one three star and what like how do you then between one and five give what like choose what stars oh it's so are. it's so it's meaningless it's so reductive it? as well like there's a part there's a part of me that just thinks god wouldn't it be better if there weren't any well let's we weren't about- subjecting these shows yeah. to numbers yeah. and well and you've won this many but you've won this many it just yeah. seems well it is it's meaning it's honestly meaningless and social media I mean we were talking about like just not really looking I mean obviously you've got to do your bit for your kind of publicity but not because now you kind of get that all the time don't you like oh this performer's got this tweet and that Mm. tweet and this tweet and maybe just giving yourself massive social media breaks as much as you can like and just focusing on the joy of doing the show Yeah. yeah I don't, do you read reviews? Do you read reviews while you're up there? Yeah, all of them, yeah. Because I hate myself, so... <laughs> Your masochism. Yeah. Or, like, on, sometimes I think crap. it's, like, a control thing. Like, I want to know everything so that then I just know what's there. And yeah. Then, but it's, I think everybody has their own journey with it and you just have to listen to your gut about yeah. what you want to do. Do you? Yeah. do you? What do you do, do you? Alan? I, I do, and I think because I, I look at them as being... A, a, if I get a bad one, I need a good one to be the antidote which is no, really unhealthy no you don't it has no, no, to come but this from is, within yeah for sure I, I know that but that is that's my way of dealing with it and I okay. think it's you know we're all so flawed yeah, and yeah. that is one of my huge flaws is that I need I when I get a bad review I'm like oh god I really want someone to like it to counter it and that is just the way that my brain works and that's the way that I work personally and I know it's really unhealthy and it's really bad can you it's look a up habit. a past one that's excellent because you have many and excellent. Do you know what's nice them. about it though? Your mentality seems to be rather than it's like, oh, now I need it. It's like you want to prove those people wrong. Oh, and I, I remember coming yeah. off one like one show where we'd got like a two star review, and after we did a sh- the show, the day after that review, we all came off and we were like, yeah, two star my ass because we'd done a really good performance yeah. to like prove that person mm. wrong. And it can sometimes motivate even that. Yeah, way, I for guess. sure. I think it's you know, God, it would be easy if there weren't any. I think this year I'm not going to read them, and I'm lucky to have a really nice. Uh, production team behind me and my managers are great and I think they're going to kind of do it for me and if I get a good great. one and you really even though I think it's gross and really ick is that if you do get those stars that need to go up on your poster to show people to sell tickets yeah. then fine put them up but if they don't come in then I, I just won't know and I actually think it's much more healthy that way because you just focus on the work yeah. just yeah. focus on the work yeah. and, and yeah. that double attitude of like if if it's going badly be the rebel on stage. Just be like, yeah, I'm just still going to do what I do yeah, yeah. and just own it. And if you do get the good ones, you know, but like like you said, just do what you need to mm. do to survive the fringe. You know, yeah. at the beginning as well, you were like, why do you do this? Yeah. And I think as well, it's really hard and I hope no one listening to this is having a genuine breakdown. And I was going to, yeah, we're doing it because we're going to do some quick fires okay, to end go, off go. and they're going to be positive. In okay, go, go, go. No, but I was it's just, like, I was going to say like... Oh, I don't know. I don't want to belittle anyone's experience, but it is also important to remember that, like, this isn't open heart surgery. Like, we are going to... You will survive this. Yeah, totally. Like, nothing is life or death in, in, you know, it's supposed to be Mm -hmm. playful, fun, and if it's not, then it's only in that moment and then it will end and you'll be fine. I saw a great tweet as I was on the train last year, like, feeling really anxious and, like, my whole world was depending on this month and my whole career depended on it and just, like, seeing loads of similar tweets from people and getting caught up in this whirlwind of information and everybody's kind of feeling the same and just getting more and more intense and then a comedian and I wish I could remember who it was and I wish I'd saved the tweet somebody just tweeted in the middle of all this dialogue was like stop being massive fannies you're just telling jokes (laughs) (laughs) that is amazing that's amazing I love that that. and saving those that sums it up that sums it up quotes like that like maybe have them wherever you're in your sadly shitty accommodation possibly probably 
actually. Like, having, I put them up, like, wherever you're going to see them, like, those, you're not doing open heart surgery. Yes. You're just telling you jokes. Are telling standing jokes. on a stage, so, chatting. Also, if yeah. it's bad enough, then you can come back next year and do a really funny show about how bad last year went. There you yeah. Go. There's your material. Yeah. You're, you're making material it's always. Meant to be. Um, <laughs> Guys, this has been so fun and I honestly could chat to you for hours and I really hope you will both come back solo-wise in the year because I'd love to chat to you more in depth just about your whole journeys, not just the fringe. Um, So just to end off, because I uh, know it's really, really hot. Everyone's hot. You'll probably still be hot when this is released. I'm sure you can relate. Um, And uh, yeah, so so we didn't actually get... what That visual memory, that joy, that moment at the uh, previous fringe where you just like... We're loving life. And it could be anything. It could have been like post-show with your friends. It could be one show in particular. It could be something you saw. I don't know. So whatever. I love how we've both just gone completely silent. <laughs> like, oh, a good, a good, good moment. Yeah. I thought we were talking about bad experiences. <laughs> oh, do you know, the... Mm, give me a second. Yes, I, I think I've got one. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah. I... It was last year... Um, riddled with nerves and anxiety and self-doubt and the first show was all right but not great the second show was say a little bit medium and I remember thinking oh god if this is every show of the if this is going to be a long month if every show is like this um and then my third show uh was it was a nice big audience and I knew that I had like a really good friend of mine who's an amazing uh director and a great performer and I was like I really would love this to go well for him uh just because I know that he wants me to do well and also I'd quite like him to see my work being at its best mm. and again because it's so subjective might might not be who knows yeah you know and there, and there were a couple it. of other people that like, friends of mine that I just really wanted to go well for and it did and it was lovely and it was such a great show and I was like oh great third like third show and it's gone really well this is fun and then uh I was doing a second show, which again was kind of like sometimes sometimes fun, sometimes not. And that was a really good night. And then uh, I remember just having loads and loads of pints in the um, <laughs> Assembly Gardens, which is my favourite place, like Disney, like comedy Disneyland. Oh, uh, nice. And then went and did another gig at midnight. And that went really well. Wow. And then went back to Assembly Gardens and had more pints. And I just remember being like really, really pissed, but also just on cloud nine. because I was like, if this is the fringe, this is the best day. <laughs> I had the most fun. Like, yeah. this is just wicked. I'm having yeah. the best time ever. And, and obviously, like, <laughs> it didn't maintain that level no. for the rest of the month. Like, it was ups and downs. But I never forgot that moment. I was like, <laughs> this is why. This is why. For this day, it's worth it. And I think, I think it's really key to not forget. It's so easy, like, to forget. And I'm not saying always live in the present. Don't just, like, dwell in, like, nostalgia. But as in, like, just remember those moments where you felt really at home. Because, in fact, that you just go and like, feels like, a home. oh, this is That's it. what I should be doing. Yeah. I love it. Even if it's fleeting, it's e- enough. Exactly. Mm. Just a little fleeting. Yeah. Thank you. Helen. So, mine is, I went to see Alan Cummings. Alan Cummings. Oh, I Alan love Cummings. Him. Yes. It was called Alan Cummings Sings Sappy Songs. Yes, I've heard of him. And it was him on stage with a pianist singing covers of songs such as, and this is my favourite moment, when he sang Miley Cyrus's um, It's the Climb. It's always going to be another man. Yeah. And um, I just thought, this man was on The Good Wife. And <laughs> now he's here and he can't really sing I hope I never work with him and have to <laughs> look him in the eye and I just thought do you know what he is just having the loveliest time yes. the best time and I just danced with my shoes off and I ju- and you know the words of that Miley Cyrus song are quite profound so don't you mean Jay McEldry Oh, oh I absolutely just do for equality. Mm. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry, we never mean Joe McCubbin. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're looking shocked. Wow. Is he a person? He was an X Factor. Didn't he? he? Didn't he? Is that not him? No, he didn't. No, I don't know if Miley Cyrus is. But I love that it had such an impact on your heart. I think it's really important that we're open about these things. Please let's not be exclusive. But that's so great. Like that. And actually, he talked about having bad reviews and he talked about having, and he said the thing about if you believe in the world, and if you've made it for a reason it's a it's you know just don't listen to ever, anyone else and mm. then he sang Miley Cyrus and he said I never thought I'd be seeing Miley Cyrus but here I am singing Miley Cyrus <laughs> and I thought wow things All happen well. in our lives yeah. and che- yeah, that's like cherishing the journey of those around if you suddenly like it's suddenly having a really shit time then maybe you'll stumble across a weird open mic night when you're drunk <gasps> it'll be like the marvellous Miss Maisel have you watched that no oh my god it's that? so g- guys <gasps> a stand up comedian is like you have to watch this it's set in the 1950s about a woman who's stuck in an awful marriage he leaves her 
and then she gets so drunk and she's like a Jewish like kind of very traditional housewife she just stumbles on an open mic night stumbles onto stage and does this amazing set and it's about a woman in the 1950s becoming oh, a comedian wow. guys that oh, maybe I'm you can so watch that as your, like, as your thing when we're fringe. having a bad day at the fringe that's what we'll find well, yeah, but, and yeah. also just charity like I you know like oh this is my artistic thing today maybe you'll mm. go home and like you'll have a bad day and you'll draw something I don't know like you're just you are creative mm. no you are creative beings no matter what okay <laughs> own it we'll um, yeah see you in September just, <laughs> I still think that and just to finish uh, what um, what are your challenge like what are your personal challenges this year what are you most looking forward to and your personal challenge and how you think you're gonna cope with that challenge I, I do like to throw like three questions in one all the time <laughs> this I promise this is the last one and then we can drink water challenge, <laughs> challenge and how we're gonna overcome it is that so the... what you're what you're most looking forward to a personal challenge and tips of self-care of how you're gonna okay. um so look after yourself through the challenge great selfishly i'm most looking forward to this is the first time i'm taking a show but i'm not in a show oh i am i'm doing you've been fringed i told you i keep forgetting about it <gasps> but that's three nights three in a nights. whole thing yeah, yeah so i think i'm really looking forward to sitting in the audience with the <laughs> gin and tonic and watching other people <laughs> do my play yeah you're wonderful <laughs> and, company and they're really really brilliant actors and great. you always are insecure in yourself as a performer but it's very easy to look at them and be like no they're really good like they're doing a really good job so that's my highlight my thing that's a challenge is I am we have a huge responsibility to do these people's story justice and um, because it's a real life story um, my anxiety is about getting it right Um, so I think it's just about this is the beginning of its journey like I said before and having a dialogue with people and making sure that everyone they've all read it they've all seen it Mm -hmm. they've met the actors and everything but it's still a different thing when suddenly you know it's on a stage and other people are coming to see Mm -hmm. it making Mm -hmm. sure and obviously, like, being from Birmingham and it being such a contentious issue still in Birmingham, I really don't want to make it worse and piss anyone off. So Aww. we've just got to make sure that, like, you know, we're doing it for all the right reasons. Which Totally. I and mm. always coming back to that and trusting yourself mm. and, and, you know, just, yeah, really... Mm. Um, thinking if you'd have let that anxiety quell you, nobody would have told it. Mm. So it's worth the challenge and the risk and those people will be thanking you, you know, no matter what. Mm. Like, you can't control the outcome. You can only control your intentions and why you've made it. Thanks, mate. I feel like this is great. <laughs> <laughs> this is great. The um, oracle. And, yeah, and, and tips of just tips self-care. Tips of self-care. Yeah. I mean, so I've been following Luke Barnes, the playwright on Twitter. You, you were in his play at Hampstead. I was in his play at Hampstead. He's an amazing, amazing person. He's very open about mental yes, health he and is. everything and he gave somebody else some tips which were only see two shows a day okay make sure you're ha- getting enough sleep um and be positive and I think that's the one that I was like it's so easy to slag off everybody and be like their show like you hear mm. so many people all the time slagging off everyone else's shows to make themselves feel better and you can be in control of being really positive mm-hmm. and lovely like just try to be lovely to each other so true like I've I think it came up earlier as well this kind of like the negative thoughts that spiral and trust me I've got them bucketful <laughs> but like I'm trying to like do this habit and it's it's hard but it's like yeah like um the negative thought comes in and I do have the power to change that to a positive way. Mm. And I am not that thought. Like, mm. so to that mindfulness thing of stepping outside it, yeah. I think it's really key. Yeah. That's yeah. great. Maybe Luke should come on the podcast Honestly, one day, please. Luke, get him be on. Really nice. Hi, Luke. <laughs> <laughs> I love your play. Um, Alice. Um, so, tell me what the question is again. I can't even remember myself. We're so um, Most looking forward to. Yes, what are you most looking forward to? Um, okay. And your personal challenge and the self-care tips of how you um, Oh, most looking forward to is easy so my um my boyfriend is from edinburgh which is really really helpful because his family are up there and it sort of feels like i've got a little surrogate family up there which is great and it's such a massive support network and i'm so grateful um and he uh, normally sort of takes off like the last two weeks of August because he does a proper job, <laughs> which is great. Um, and he uh, comes up for the last two weeks. So uh, I get really excited about that. We are going to see Dylan Moran uh, on my last day. And you Aww. say it right as well. You say it in the Irish way. And he's one of my favourite good lessons. <laughs> so uh, Dylan Moran for the English. In the yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to go and get a two big gin and tonics and go and watch them more and, and that is I cannot wait that is just going to be so joyful they say to do that after auditions don't they like go to your audition and have something really fun yeah after get yourself something really fun lined up yeah, yeah. That's, that's what I'm looking forward to that's um, lovely amazing uh, biggest challenge I think is just staying staying as stable as possible and not like you're saying not allowing emotions to get in the way just like 
being being objective about it like yeah. going up there and doing a piece of work yeah. and going do the work do it as best I can totally and nothing else matters yeah. nothing else and just trying to kind of build up that bulletproof shield that means that if someone calls me terrible crumples up my flyer I can actually go all right that's not me mm. that's something that just happened it doesn't affect who I am mm-hmm. and just carry on and not allow it to become a, mm. a whirlpool which I think I'm getting better at and I Tot- hope to improve upon that oh totally and yeah. like and that and you can have you know the emotional outburst in a moment with a shared colleague and like have yeah, those yeah, things yeah. and then it's like it's out and it's like oh it can't hurt it me doesn't anymore. define like, me anymore no and that's that's amazing and mm. that already you like you feel you're really on that journey of like it's becoming a habit now. i think just no, even just being aware of it like yes. it's not something that you can click your fingers and just not be affected by stuff like that anymore yeah. but just the fact that you're aware of it and that it is actually like you're saying you are not that thought yeah you are not that experience yeah and actually, it doesn't matter because you're still going to go and do your work. And and you never know what's going to happen in the next moment. Like, if, you're not exactly. living in the past, you're not Who living knows? in the future. Who knows you, what that next moment will you're be. You're only half an hour away from a pint in Assembly Garden. Yes. Uh, thanks, guys. I'm so excited for the fringe now. <laughs> I feel prepared. <laughs> Any extra self-care tips just before we close? Um, no, she's got none. No, she's no got, I've got no, none. that is it. I've got absolutely none. Oh, yeah, I do. Um, have something... Uh, have something downloaded to watch that's totally separate nice i've just finished the staircase on netflix and i cannot (gasps) recommend it enough you need to do you need to have something that is like completely separate from the fringe Mm. from performing Mm. from right whatever it is you're doing there have something that's an hour a day that's nothing to do with that nice and watch a true crime drama oh my god fruit as well just honestly you need to poo and (laughs) really important you will get clogged up eat some plums and that's that can be like yeah I've, I've had we've talked about this yeah. before where we've been like in really grotty moods and we're like oh I just need a poo need a poo yeah <laughs> oh, that is, it's not an issue I have like five nervous poos before every oh, show so you oh, need yeah. to no, stop it. mine just stops mine if I'm nervous mine just clogs and I just go Ugh. yeah nope. Yeah, sorry to cut off your joy there, Helen. Thank you, I'm so glad. No, oh yeah, no, just thanks for all the love. and um, Thank you so much. Therapy, you should charge for this. (laughs) (laughs) No, but that's because therapy, like, is so difficult for people to get. Hopefully we can just change the collective consciousness of being like, Mm. oh, let's just talk more and then, like, hopefully. Do you know there was a Reasons to be Cheerful episode, the Ed Miliband podcast, where this it was actually really stressful because there was this mental health specialist on it saying, we don't really know what causes anything and we don't actually oh like we've pumped all this money into um, CBT but we don't really know much about they're like genuinely the thing that he can on paper say works the most is talking to your friends like he's like I can try and help as an outsider but actually mm. the best thing you can do is set up a really secure support network mm-hmm. that is constant that is because you're going to change all the time there's not like one thing that's ever wrong with you there's not like one thing that's ever mm. caused it or one thing that's going to solve it like you need people who are there through it all really so like, yeah and feeling no kind of uh, on the other side of it as a friend like you can't don't you don't have to fix anything yeah. you don't have you're yeah. not respo- like just hearing it and just being there and being present and having yeah. things aired is so thanks for being my friends <laughs> thanks for being my friends thanks, guys. guys thank you for sharing which is the name of the podcast <laughs> see you guys oh. soon bye. bye bye you can go and see helen's play trojan horse in the main hall at summer hall at 3 15 p.m from august the 2nd to the 12th and from the 14th to the 26th You've Been Fringed will be at Just the Tonic at the Caves in the Just Up the Road space on August the 9th, the 16th and the 23rd at midnight. Follow Helen at Helen Monks and Lung Theatre at Lung Theatre. Sorry, Helen underscore Monks at Helen underscore Monks and at Lung Theatre on Twitter for more info and news and updates. Then go and see Alice's show, The Strike also at Just the Tonic at the Caves in the Just the Wee One space at 5.30pm from August the 2nd to the 12th and then the 14th to the 26th at 5.30pm at Alice Marshall, all lowercase, is her Twitter handle, her Twitter handle, her Twitter handle. That's the Twitter handle you need for all Alice Marshall joy. Uh, Dave Cribb, my fabulous producer, will be musical directing and performing in his band Dave and the Quavers at You've Been Fringed and at a musical. A musical will be at the Grand Space at the Pleasance Courtyard at 11.30pm on August the 22nd with Jade Adams and Kerry Pritchard-McLean. This show is amazing. I've seen it twice. Can't get enough of it. Comedians performing musical theatre. All the joy. Go to it. At Dave Cribb on Twitter and at A Musical Show.
So to make this a real podcast in action, I've done some research on the Edinburgh Fringe resources and help and support. So Fringe Central is located at Appleton Tower, the corner of Windmill Street and Chapel Street, EH89LE. And the website for all the info is www.edfringe.com forward slash take part forward slash putting hyphen on. (laughs) Maybe I'll just list this on the show notes, but I'll try and say it www.edfringe.com edfringe.com forward slash take hyphen part forward slash putting hyphen on hyphen a hyphen show forward slash fringe hyphen central try try and copy it from that but i'll try and include it on the show notes as well um they will be running pre pre i'm losing it i'm so sorry (laughs) it's the sun they will be running free professional development events for participants at the fringe including sessions on mental health, parenting in the performing arts and harassment in the industry. And equality issues will be addressed in 12 events called Breaking Down Barriers. It's open from July the 30th. There'll be a free workshop for performers suffering with anxiety and that'll be held on August the 20th at Fringe Central. Crucially, I've also found details on the Fringe Blueprint, which has been set up by the Fringe Society, a charity established by participants to act as the custodians of the Fringe. And its intention is to make eight firm commitments that together make up the Fringe Blueprint, a statement of intent that will inform everything they do between now and their 75th anniversary in 2022. Uh, So they have an email address and a telephone number to contact them on if you have any ideas about how they can achieve these eight commitments. And the commitments range from making the festival more accessible and affordable to improving creative development in local schools and colleges in relation to the Fringe and also making the Fringe more environmentally friendly. So contact them on Blueprint at edfringe.com or call uh, plus four four or oh one three one two two six zero zero two six and you can google um edinburgh fringe blueprint if you want to read the pamphlet of all the intentions they are trying to commit to uh let's hope they do and i'm wishing you all an incredible fun healthy edinburgh fringe festival uh i hope you know all the advice has helped um keep talking to each other keep sharing uh share those highs and lows go to you've been fringed vent and just focus on the joy of the work i think that's one of the main things we've learned from from everything that's been said here you know you're getting up there and uh you've created something and that in itself is a huge thing so massive congratulations and go for it and that was episode one part two Thank you so much, Helen and Alice, for being involved. Thank you, Dave and the Great Big Owl podcast production team for producing. Thank you, Ellie Novella, for her wonderful theme song and logo image. And thank you, Marco Chiu and Toby Lloyd for your technology support. That's it for now. Tune in soon for individual interviews. And in the meantime, keep looking after yourself and take care. Bye. Thank you for sharing. If you've been affected by anything we've talked about on our podcast today, there are a list of mental health support telephone helplines and websites listed on our podcast show notes for professional advice and support.